Hello and welcome to season two of the Business of Show Business podcast with me, your host, Jamie Boddy. Unpacking the skills needed for the entertainment and creative industries and celebrating those already in them. Already on season two, on episode one, I spoke to creative director Daniel Drayton. We went into what it takes to run an events company and the importance of networking. On episode two, we spoke about time management, how to schedule your week so you achieve the most in your productive hours and then also scheduling time off. And on today's episode, we are joined by agent Simon Mayhew. We go inside the office of an agent so we can go behind the scenes of what a day in the life of an agent entails really unpacking all what they do for their clients and the skills you have to learn as the industry goes on and as your career develops because of the current climate this interview was recorded online so at times it's probably not the quality i would like it however it's such an amazing interview simon honestly shares so much value so let's get cracking on with the show On today's episode of the Business of Show Business podcast, I'm joined by one of the UK's leading agents, Simon Mayhew. Simon had a successful career as a performer, which also meant he experienced the highs and lows of the industry. In 2010, whilst touring the UK in the musical Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Simon had the idea of wanting to be an agent. Fast forward three years to his first agency, Oxford Adams. Now, as a director and agent of the newly formed Collective Agents, Simon combines his experience as a performer with his years of being an agent to help his clients reach their career goals while also having fun in the industry. Simon has clients working all over the West End on UK tours and internationally. How are you doing today, Simon? I'm very good. How are you? Not too bad, Simon. Thank you for asking. It's so interesting to be here now talking in this um, capacity because I know our paths have crossed several times from when we were performers and then being at press events and things like that. So it's it's so interesting. It's just weird how our careers have now like developed to this point. Yeah, I do remember auditions and then there was a time when I was an actor that I did do headshots. I did do headshots, didn't I? Yes. It was a good, must have been nine years ago, ten? Yes. Nine years ago? Eight? Yeah. Gosh, it's, isn't it funny? Because I think as, as, as creatives and freelancers, it's almost like Peter Pan syndrome, isn't it? You don't think of time like that until you say, like, that was 10 years ago. And then you're like, oh. Well, I actually had a bit of a moment yesterday where I've just signed. So you mentioned Chitty. And on that tour, Grandpa Potts, John Griffiths, who I got on really, really well with, reached out to me recently. And um, his agency, unfortunately, closed. And um had a meeting with yesterday, so I've just signed him. And we were sitting there over dinner, and it's been 10 years since I did the tour with him, and it just felt like no time had passed. But you, re- you really realise that how much has actually happened since then until now. It's, I'm, it's a, my, my life is completely different. Um, it was really nice to talk about the old days and being back, oh, back. I do miss being backstage. That was the best bit. It always is, isn't it? Obviously, we love being on stage, but I think the friends you make in a show, whether it's long term or short term, it's just so accelerated, isn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I do. I, you know, if I was, I, I do miss being on stage now and again. I have that urge when I see a client that I love. And they're doing a sh- like a dream show of mine, and they're doing it. I'm like, oh, I could do. Could do a couple of shows of that before we obviously tackle like covid and the industry and all that yeah, yeah. it'd be great if you could kind of go into like in a nutshell what like a day in the life of an agent is because i think having been a performer you um quite often you just kind of expect your agents to send a couple emails and but you're so busy with yeah. not only submitting for work it's networking making connections making promotional packets for your clients there's so yeah. much that you do as an agent that i think sometimes performers don't see just purely because obviously they're hustling in their own life 
Yeah, I mean, I even had this conversation yesterday. I went into London with a, to have a few meetings with clients, and a really experienced actor was sort of saying, you know, this is what I kind of, this is what I need for my agent. And I was like, oh wow, you've you've been out quite a long time, and it's it's still interesting that even the most experienced actors sometimes still don't quite understand what an agent does. Um, I mean, you know. I, my brain literally splits, can split into 20 parts when I'm in the office. So actors don't normally read every single breakdown that comes through on Spotlight, but I kind of urge every single actor as a challenge when we're back to normal to read every single breakdown and they will, that'll probably take them the whole day, let alone work out who's then available, who can go in, and there is also an element of, um, depending on what the project is, and if it's a huge, massive project, maybe like a film, a Netflix film, you're unlikely to be pushing a brand new graduate because you've got to earn your stripes, you've got to work your way up. So it's not just about, you know, seeing the age group 20 to 30 and then chucking every single 20 to 30 into that category. There is an element of like, you know, earning stripes and, and where they're at in the career and if they're really right for it and, you know, their look. But the breakdowns is the one thing I, I, you know, I do say to my clients, you know, do you read the breakdowns? Do you keep an eye on them yourself? Because um, that takes up so much time and, you know, and they can be really, really wordy. Um, then you've got all the negotiations going on. You know, before lockdown happened, I, God, I was negotiating this one contract and then it literally took my whole day one of my profile clients, you know, and when you do have profile clients, there's a whole other element to it as well. Um, so I was doing that. Then the phone keeps ringing. You've got clients wanting catch up. Then you're going to see showcases. Then you're going to see shows at night. So I might have a few overnight things to do. Plus just everything else of being, you know, owning a company. You've got to sort out the office rent. You've got to sort out your banking. You've got to sort out payroll. You've got to sort out, you know, even just handing auditions out and recalls. I mean, even at the moment with COVID, I've got clients in next week for a show and already I've had to send in PDF files for their music, COVID release forms, um, self-tapes have to be sent back. So there's so much time. And I feel like some actors, you know, what I've heard over the past 10 years, you know, my agent doesn't even let me know if I've been submitted. That's quite an often thing I've heard. Or I didn't even know that was happening. And it's like agents don't physically do not have time to tell every single client on their books what they've been submitted for, you know, what what's happening, what's coming up. I get that asked that question a lot. What's coming up? I always say to my clients, it doesn't matter what's coming up because you should be prepared for every eventuality and actually, by me having these constant conversations, it's actually taking time away from my day to actually push you for auditions. Because I have a system where once I submit a client for a breakdown, I will see when the deadline is. And a few days before, I will then go through who I can push if auditions have come out, etc. So there is a massive element to that. If you haven't been called in for months and months and months and months, and an actor struggling to get into the room, then I would absolutely meet the client, talk to the client and, and see what's going on. But it's impossible to keep updating the actor with what's going on. It is, it is actually impossible. Um, did that answer your question in a nutshell? That was yeah. quite long. No, but you know what? I think people <laughs> will find so much value in that because I think quite often we... Um, especially maybe as a, a fresh grad, whether you're an actor or more of a musical theatre performer, we put quite a lot of weight on, I need to get an agent and then everything will happen when it's, there's so much that goes into that. Like it's, and as you just yeah. said, I think it's great for everyone to hear 
there's so much you have to do, which also sounds like it doesn't fit into a typical nine to five structure either. No, it's, it, you know, it doesn't. If I'm out of press night or in Manchester, I've got to try and find internet connection to do my breakdowns. Um, so that, that's kind of my, my main sort of tip is to get actors to read the breakdowns. And you will just by reading the breakdowns alone, you'll see how much time that actually takes. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot. And also the thing with um, collective agents now, you yeah. don't just represent one avenue of the industry. You obviously have your, yeah. your more um, straight theatre actors. You've got your musical theatre yeah. performers. You've also got your creatives, choreographers, yeah. movement directors, composers, lighting designers. There's a yeah. lot there that although there's a lot of you in the team, it's a lot to spread across all of you, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think the beauty with collective, and I have to say, the boys, Bo and John, on a personal note from me, have really kept me going during this lockdown. Collective was the best thing that we could have done. Um, so although there is a lot going on with Collective, there's seven of us. So, and we've all got a really unique niche. So I am musical theatre through and through. It's what I do. It's what I am. It's, I, you know, yes, I still do commercials. Like one of my clients is on the new Amazon commercial, the opera singer. Um, my client yesterday got the new Virgin broadband commercial. So I do do that. But my forte is musical theatre. John is amazing with his creatives. So he's got the directors, the choreographers, the lighting designers. Bo's sort of a crossover with TV and film. Josie's amazing at TV and film. She was actually happening, um, helping me with the Virgin Broadband contract. So that's been the beauty of Collective where we have had those crossovers. We've also linked up with um, Damn Good Voices, which is the voiceover agency. I mean, that is a whole different ball game in itself. Um, you know, you've really got to put, if you want to be a voiceover actor, you've got to invest the money in a good voice reel. That, that's a whole different conversation. And then we've also got um, links with Australia and Broadway. So for example, I've just signed a girl today actually called Michaela who's going to be the first female Sven in Frozen um, here. And she's Australian. So I also got her signed to the Australian partnership. And then she can get work out there with them. And it all links in with Collective. So Collective has been the best move for me. So much in there I want to unpack. Um, but obviously Collective came out of, yeah. obviously, COVID has happened. It's sadly taken every industry um, it's affected every industry, entertainment industry, particularly hard in the fact of we can't perform to crowds, although that's yeah. slowly changing, there's no filming and all that. So Collective kind of came out of a, an obstacle of a, a dark time, if you have it, to actually be such a fantastic, positive light in the industry going forward. I mean, we actually, we actually talked about, we actually started Collective in January, so before even COVID happened. So we didn't actually form Collective because of COVID. Um, we actually had our first initial meetings back in January time. So this, we didn't do it because of, of COVID. It just so happened that obviously COVID happened. And then we go, right, this is what we need. We need to make this happen and we need to um, come together. So yeah, back in January, we were in talks with a few other agencies and, and having meetings. And so, you know, and the beauty with Collective as well, there is so much growth. You know, there's so much more that we can do and we are going to do with Collective as well. Um, and, I, you know, in our launch video, we, you know, one of the words was we're creating opportunities and we really have by coming together. I wouldn't have got certain clients or work or without joining forces. Um, we just hear about a lot more than we would before. 
Fantastic. Um, and what I also want to jump on is the fact of, as you said, not only is it the creative skills you have to exercise with reading breakdowns, pitching your clients, the networking, it's also the business skills, as you said, of rent, um, your your pay, your contracts, um, social media, marketing. Can you talk us through yeah. a bit like how you kind of try to balance that? And maybe are those skills that you've kind of learned as you've gone along or are they skills kind of you've learned a bit on one job and how to take it to the next? Oh, God. That is a good question. Um, from just speaking personally from me, just for me, because I know that others in collective are actually quite different, which is the beauty. We all complement each other, but I'm a, I'm a doer and I, I would like to think I've got good common sense. And I think that's really what it boils down to. Social media, obviously when we were performing back in the day, there wasn't, well, Instagram definitely wasn't around. I just remember Twitter happening and obviously Facebook was around, but not even when we were at college, there was no Facebook. So that's something that I'm quite, um, I'd say it's a good strength of mine, social media. Everything else, you just learn, you do research, you speak to other people. You know, some other agents in my life have been amazing and they've really supported me and I learned a lot right at the beginning. Um, you just got to do your research and just double check things. And, but I wish that at school, rather than continuously dancing and singing in every single lesson I ever had, I actually had a life lesson, like about business. I wish I did business and tax and how to grow business, how to manage. Obviously, with Oxford Adams, at one point I had three staff. So like managing is very difficult. That's a skill that I, it's, because I still see myself as one of the, the young, you know, going out, you know, I, I still, I'm in that bubble still, I would hope. So to then suddenly be a manager, you're managing three people. That's a massive balancing act in a small office, which I, I do struggle with. I find that really difficult. And I think that you've hit the nail on the head there. And that's one thing that I've been trying to champion over the last five years is this business aspect. And I've been fortunate enough to go into eight colleges so far over the last couple of years. But I think, yeah. especially now with COVID, it's taught us that theatre is going online as well. Performances having to become more detached from auditorium. So it's learning these business skills to still perform and entertain when you maybe don't have a live audience. Obviously, now that the agency is is existing yeah what was it like when you had that mind shift from being more on stage to as you said on chit chit bang bang you kind of that seed planted how did it feel though when you actually tried to action being an agent because i know as a performer myself when you maybe want to try something new you get a bit scared because it's been your life it's been your drive but to grow and progress sometimes you have to kind of take that leap or try something new yeah, I, I think when I was back in the performing days, you know, it, it's a slog. I wasn't one of those lucky people that just, you know, really go from show to show. You know, I was, I was, it was, it was difficult. And I found myself not being happy in the job and then not being happy out of work. So something wasn't right there for me. So you've really got to, and this is kind of one of the questions you mentioned earlier in your email about like my mantra. And it, it is you only live once. And my dad passed away when I was doing a show and I was like, okay, I'm not happy in what I'm doing. I need to shift. Now, because I think a performer has so much pressure on them from family members, not intentionally and not on purpose, but when you've been dancing and singing since you were little, I mean, I started dancing when I was four and they're so proud of you and, you know, 
I, I always thought that if I stopped at any point, I would have failed or I would have like quit. And it's not quitting, it's just sort of changing your direction and, and that's okay. But I think it's important for me, in my opinion, that if you're going to make that shift, you really have to make the shift. I don't feel like being an actor and then also working in an agency. I just feel like it's a bit of a conflict. I don't know. I feel like you've, cause it's, you've really got to invest like going out and learning your contacts and becoming an agent, having your own list and suddenly managing. A, it's, a, it's a huge shift. So, you know, my advice to anyone who wants to make that shift is, you know, to really, uh, the PMA, which a lot of actors don't really know about, but it's the Personal Managers Association. And they do, they advertise for like internships and assistant agents. And my advice is to go and get one of those jobs. If you can get an internship for three months and you're just pause, pause auditioning and just go and give it a go. And if you love it, then you run with it. If you do a good job, you know, hopefully there could there could be a position. But my advice to you when you're in in the in that internship, just give yourself up. Just give 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 it everything. If you've got to go to six shows a week, go to six shows a week. If you have to go to seven showcases and you miss your boyfriend's di- dinner, do it. You've just got to put everything in. You know, once you start going, oh, I don't know if I want to go to that show tonight, or I might go home and not go. You know, then it's like okay, this might not be for you because you've you've kind of got to give your life to it. Only when you're really secure in your job, like when I did about four years in, did I really then start putting restrictions on. I wanted a life outside agenting as well. And it's healthy. I, you know, people, clients want me to be refreshed and I've got a partner and I want a life. This is, it is still a job. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, there's so much there that I think is going to resonate with so many performers because I think we, we do... Um, and it's not just if you're a an actor it could be if you are a presenter or if you're a stage and designer whatever your passion is in the arts we focus on it so much that we sometimes don't see other opportunities or we lose the love but we keep going or trying to achieve goals because of our peers or what our family expect of us or what our college teachers have said so from what you said obviously happiness is so key i blame social media 100 percent for the majority of mental health in this industry, it is the devil. Um, and I'm not saying it wasn't around before social media because it really, really was. Um, but it's, yes. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot there. There's a lot. Yeah. I think with social media, as you said, it's, it can be fantastic, but also awful because it has lowered, I think, what, was amazing has now become average and what was average or good has now become below average so people's lives yeah it's it's hard in our industry especially because at theater school you look in the mirror eight hours a day every day yeah so you're you're very self-critical as it is let alone when you see social media maybe and other people maybe achieving the career you want I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. Just jumping in midway here to say if you are really enjoying it, make sure to head over to your streaming platform and leave a review. Simon is sharing so much amazing knowledge and advice and the stuff you want to know from your agent but you might be too scared to ask. At the end of the episode, he does leave his social media handle, so make sure to give him a follow. And now back on with the episode. As an agent, you probably have to have those maybe tough conversations also with your um, with your clients, whether they are feeling a bit stuck in the industry, want to change career paths, or they obviously want to catch up regularly. How do you navigate 
um, all these different relationships you have to have. And obviously some of your clients you've represented for years and some are new. So it must be quite hard to manage all these different relationships and expectations. I've got very different relationships with, with different clients. But that mainly boils down to what I get back from the client. Because some clients I just sure. don't hear from. Like, I just don't ever hear from. And I do, I, but then when I do speak to them, they're like, oh, I don't know if I can ask that. I'm like, of course you can ask that. Of course you can ask me. Um, but I, I do feel like the actors do sometimes not, pe- you don't need to pester your agent every day or weekly or whatever. But so I think some clients are mute. So then when you do try and have those in-depth conversations, it, it can be quite difficult. You're not spoken for so long. Um, of course. Especially the ones um, in work. Because once they're in a job, you don't very rarely need to speak to them. They just sort of carry. But then that's part of the job. That's the agent's job done. You're in work and you're you're there if they need you. And that that's that's the role of the agent, you know. Yeah, and another thing that I wanted from what you said, which I thought was really lovely when you said about finding your love and passion. I think it's very hard in this day and age when you're not in a a long running show or TV show or whatever to just do the one thing. You may have a side hustle, a side passion. Is that something you would recommend to creatives that it's okay to have a bit of a side hobby or a side passion? You don't purely have to be 150% audition, audition, audition. I think... From a person who's worked in Harrods, which, oh God, looking back was not, it was really bad. And then at the time when I had the photography, which is still, you know, that was, I was in a much happier position. I, you know, I've worked in Harrods, the call centres, giving out leaflets. So I know what those jobs are like. Um, then I had my side hustle. I think the side hustle is fantastic. I think sometimes if your other business does actually do do quite well. I feel sometimes that person can take their eye off the ball and maybe stop going to dance classes because they're they're, they're so busy or they stop having singing lessons. And we both know we blink and a month has gone. So I think as long as their side hustle is is happening, which I think is great, if it stops you going to places like Harrods where we all know it can be heavy, then absolutely, but I still believe you shouldn't take your eye off the ball. You've still got to be proactive. You still have to do what you're doing and just juggle that efficiently. Because, yeah, that, that's, what, that's what I... Because the photography for me beautifully transitioned my life into agenting because I always had that income coming in and I could yeah. do my internship around my photography. And so it was a good transition. But I do think having a second thing is, is good. Good for yeah, the mind. No, I think... It's finding that balance of having that outlet for another skill set or making an income, but as you said, still be focused on building your career that you want as a entertainer, as a performer. Because it even yeah. happens with people in their survival jobs. Like they could be working, as you said, like at, um, at like a at Harrods at a store, at a pub, leafleting, whatever. And I've known people that all of a sudden are working forty plus hours a week, and then they're not go into like auditions or classes and it's one thing I always try try and say with some of my like when I'm like business coaching creatives is we'll look at what income do they need to make to live really comfortably and happy what do they need to make to be the bare minimum and then as long as you get the bare minimum you can still perform but don't don't work so hard that you can't actually do what you love yeah no I agree with that so for you as an agent yeah you probably get emails all the time from people from different 
aspects of the industry, um, whether it's for the creatives. And as you said, I know you have different agents for different things, so it may get forwarded. But you obviously get emails all the time. If yeah. someone has done their research, as they should for an agent, to find out yeah. if it's the right fit for them and then reach out, what kind of things do you like to see in an email? Is there anything you see that you can maybe give us a little do's or don'ts right now? So anyone listening, if they are to email you in future, they can do it a bit more succinctly. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, that's another one of the agent jobs when you mentioned earlier about what we do. We've got to keep an eye on the rep emails. We want to have those sort of rep meetings. I think when I get an, a rep email, if I don't know the person, if it's not from a recommendation, I don't know the person. The main thing is, is we know why you're writing in. You want representation. Yeah. I, I would say at that moment, for me, you know, we don't need a huge, massive email, your life story, because that's not why I'm signing you. I will literally, in the email, I don't even really read the email anymore, to be honest. I go straight to the spotlight link, straight to the CV, see what they look like, see where they trained, see what they've been in recently. That, that is the first thing I look at to see if I've got any clashes, etc. Then I will just see what they've attached. I would always send in clips. Don't send in the huge like actual files try and send streamable clips like uh, Vimeo or YouTube unlisted so we can, agents can stream it. And the biggest downfall for me is when people send in dance clips specifically, they try and clamber together every single clip they've ever done and put it into this three minute reel. Well, actually, I would prefer you to be in tight fitting dance wear in a school hall or a, your local hall and just do an amazing technical routine with performance shows you off and you can just see you clearly because so many videos I see is like 20 people on stage and they've got like a little ring around the person and you can't actually see their performance because the camera's blurred so I would yeah. always say you know even if you go to a dance class in London say to the choreographer look I'm looking for representation do you mind if I record this routine because it really suits me I'm sure they'll be okay with that and then with songs I like to see a video again um like a self-tape um, two contrasting songs but make sure the songs show you off and that you are I see so many ballads that take forever to get in and it's you know when you watch 20 ballads in a row the energy is low and it's just you've just got to sing something amazing and I found this girl the other day Amy Lou you need to go and Facebook this girl she's called Amy Lou the diva show and she's a girl that I found on Facebook uh, my friend introduced me. She's not in our industry at all. I think she sings in like pubs and clubs up north. And and the first song I heard her do was Joyful, Joyful. And it was just, it broke through every single barrier that I've ever heard. It was just so good. And you've got to find the right song that is, is exciting. And it, show, it just shows you off. People are too afraid, I think, to show off. And if I have, if I go to colleges and I sort of say to them, look, is your top range in that song? They always say no majority of the time say no i'm like but why you've got to show off i need to know what you can do i need to know exactly what you can do i need to know what your acting's like your personality the color of your voice like how you act through song so the song choices i mean even my client yesterday sent me a song choice that he's going to sing at his audition next week and i was like i don't know if that song is right it's a bit boring like i've sat on panels when you're 30 singers in you're tired you're really tired and the last thing you want is a really slow ballad that doesn't go anywhere. So you just got to make sure that your, your song choices are interesting. There was so much advice there that I think any performer, whether you've got an agent or not, 
you just know how to kind of send that next effective email. Because as we learned at the beginning of the interview, like agents time is so precious because you have so much to do yeah. Yeah. that you don't have time to be clicking on like 50 files to download. And that's not the I one. I remember a friend of mine who I still got Nadia when I first took her on from college she emailed me and it was something really simple, like, hi, Simon, I've just graduated from MGA, um, here are my three clips, um, here's my CV. And it was acting, clip, dancing, clip, singing, clip. It was all really clear. Um, my only advice as well is if an agent does get back to you and they ask you for something else, do not go to sleep until it's done. Get it back to them straight away because it shows that you're quick it shows that you're passionate. It shows that you want it. The amount of people that I have a reply about a month later or two weeks later, and it's like, it's too long for me. It's too long. No one needs that long to record a song. Um, that's my advice. Yeah, no, and that, I think that is all fantastic. And what I also want to touch on there is obviously we spoke about the mental health, um, the weight of so healthy positive mental health online with social media and how obviously there's a lot this industry is fantastic and also very challenging at times but some of the positives with social media because obviously I know with you personally and with um, collective agents the branding is on point it's consistent it's gorgeous and attractive and it's unique with individuals what are your thoughts maybe on whether it's your clients or other people using social media because obviously it's fab for showcasing your skills, networking, conversation, news, but also some people are maybe a bit too hard with the sell, like, look at me, look at me, look at me, or they use it negatively. What are your overall views on social media? Oh God, how long have you got? Uh, (laughs) I feel like, and this could be controversial, I feel like performers are very quick to attack producers or cast i just feel like there's a you've got to be very careful with what you've got to just remain classy and go about it the right way i don't think everyone's sending a tweet or a, you know a bit of a, an, attack, an attack tweet or a producer is actually going to do anything it just creates more negativity if you're going to if you want to fight something you've got to go about it through the right channels and you know approach equity about it ask your agent for advice like, I, i'm not happy with this what can we do um, I just think you've got to remain classy. And, you know, I do look at potential client social media. I do look at, like, kind of things they've been posting. Um, I think it's really important to promote yourself. Like, I've loved, loved, loved watching clients do dance videos during lockdown. Um, I've loved watching that. But I've just also seen so much sort of negativity and just, oh. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it is a balancing act. Um, I'm very careful with what I put on social media. I don't want it to be a political thing because you open up the gates to just so much. It's not monitored, is it, social media? And so I am careful with what I put on social media, but I do enjoy it. I like my family seeing what I'm doing and my friends, all my my best friends from back at college, they all live back up north and have families now. So they always like, we always interact. So I like it for that. So I try and keep it as lighthearted as possible. So my advice is just, remain classy and you know it, it, it it's a tricky one because everyone's got the right to post what they want to post exactly and like as you said it's it's trying to stay classy and i'm i always try and champion that you need to be authentic online and offline if it's something you wouldn't say to someone's face in real life don't yeah. 
do it online and obviously there are a lot of movements and causes that do need to be highlighted but then yeah. you, as you said research as well like sending a tweet may only get you so far look into who can you contact directly so i think yeah social media is obviously constantly evolving and pros and cons and every performer should be on it but it's using it to your advantage like if you're feeling really negative about seeing everyone's fantastic posts at the moment curate your feed more mute people if you need to for like a hot second yeah that's only my god 100 have a break yeah. I, I see so many performers you know i'm going off social media now and then the next day they'll post like 10 things and it's yeah. like if you're gonna have a break have a break you're if you're if you're if you're saying that just give yourself time to breathe because it is a lot it is a lot and with all the recent movements with black lives matter and oh my god i've learned so much from that whole experience yeah um i think that you know things like that social media has a great effect you know with support of the, what's happening with the theaters and however you just got to you just got to yeah just remain yeah. humble and don't use it as a form for you just to shout at people yeah because it sometimes does become a bit of a shouting contest and i think i've obviously haven't worked in like social media now for like almost six years i've seen some of the most amazing things of people connecting and getting dream jobs and amazing. things like that but i've also seen people lose jobs because they've tweeted things or they've broken embargoes so one of my jobs actually when working on western musicals for a couple of while a couple of years when i was but in an agency was to look at people's accounts so if a press opportunity come up who would i suggest to the pr team if we needed someone to do an instagram live at the olivier's there were certain people i know could trust because they had more of a wholesome brand online and not yeah. someone that's just drunk all the time or moaning or swearing and it so it, it works both ways so anyone listening social media works both ways <laughs> yeah no it does and i you know i even had a, a conversation with a client about three months ago and he was posting a few posts that i was just a bit like oh that feeling you get you're like oh I don't know if you should be yeah. posting that. And we actually had a really good conversation about it. And then once I explained how it looks and how producers might see it and just the feel of it, he was like, oh my God, I didn't even, I didn't even register that that was the, what was coming off. I said, you, you just need to just yeah. be careful with what you post and just, you know, and yeah. But there's yeah. no, but there, there is no rule book and, you know, people find can tolerate things differently to people and people will like things differently to people it's just kind of my vision of it i will let you go because i know you're busy but a couple more questions quickly <laughs> right, no, sure, go. who or what inspires you so it could be a book a person a movie has anything inspired you or still continues to inspire you in your creative journey i mean the one of the first things that really inspired me, and everyone my age will know this film, Centre Stage. When yes. I saw, and when I saw, I think her name was Jodie. Jodie, Jodie yeah. Sawyer. Jodie Sawyer, everyone. Jodie Sawyer. Yeah. yeah when she's in that dance class at the Broadway Dance Centre in the film, that's mm. what I wanted to do. Because I was probably two years off from going to dance college when I saw that film. When I saw that film, that's what made me go, oh my God, that is what I want to do. Um, so that's kind of my first, I mean, obviously being a young guy, I watched musicals, but that was the moment I was like, this is really what I want to do. Um, my first love will always be dance. When I see, uh, there's no one that specifically that inspires me. I always love Stephen Mears work. Yeah. Um, and I've really enjoyed, I've got a client called Robbie McMillan. Um, who came over from Australia 
And I, you know, I love watching his choreography. He inspired me recently. He's done a lot of videos online during lockdown, the choreography videos, and he's really inspired me. I love his style because that's the sort of style that I would have loved when I was at college. Yeah. Um, so I've really enjoyed watching his videos. Um, so I would say sort of Stephen Meir always inspires me. Um, and clients who just keep fighting and keep, they're so nice and humble and they say thank you and they inspire me because however, however, rub, however, however rubbish it actually gets for them, they keep going. Actually, I'll tell you one person who inspires me. Yes. <laughs> like Emily Barnett-Salter. A girl called Emily Barnett-Salter. I've known her since I left college in 2006. So for 14 years. And she... I know personally she's had some knockbacks, she's had some setbacks, she's had, and she still to this day has the same passion and the same drive and the same, you know, energy. I mean, she's doing videos every day. She inspires me. How does it feel then when you have to tell a client that they got a job? How must that feel? Because not only are you getting that buzz, you know that they are achieving a dream or a goal. Oh God. It's, it, it, when you know someone, some clients just book all the time. So you kind of expect it. Novelty sort of wears off a little bit <laughs> when they when they book it all the time. They're always working, but um, like a special moment for me was definitely with Katie Monks. She was my first ever client with Oxford Adams, so she, I took her from college, and she has been working and slugging and auditioning, and she's been she's done really well. She's done a few UK tours. She's been in Germany. And then she got Pretty Woman in the West End. When she got Pretty Woman, she had that, after that seven years of doing it, to give her that first, to give her that phone call, amazing. Amazing, because she's worked hard, she's thankful, you know, she, she slogs, and she's, <laughs> she's been through so many ups and downs, bless her. But give her that news that she's finally got onto the West End, amazing. You, can, you can't beat it. You cannot beat it. Oh, no, it must be so amazing. Because obviously, as a creative, when you get a job, you want that elation. But I guess being the one that gets to be that bearer of good news must be yeah. such a gorgeous feeling. Oh, my God. When you see, especially for, you know, in the agenting world, it's a bit of a rat race. And everyone wants their client to be the lead in the West End. And, to you know, and there have definitely been a few moments where I've just sat and sobbed watching them. Like when Bianca went on as Miss Honey for the first time, I sobbed. When my client went on as Eponine for the first time, she sang On My Own, I was sobbing. Um, when my client went on as Alphaba and she was singing Divine Gravity and I was just sort of sitting there thinking, is this real life? Like, I have a client who's singing. Those moments I will never forget because it is, it is amazing. It's amazing. I'm sure your, your clients, or if they're listening, will love that you get that buzz as well because they're hustling in the room to get the job and you're hustling out of the room to get them the job. So it's a lovely moment when you're like, yes, it all worked, it all paid oh, off. Yeah, and then obviously with this mess going on, it's uh, taken a different... Yes, um, obviously COVID has happened, the theatre industry is... <laughs> there's peaks of moments when you're like, it's getting back on track and then there's more news from the government, but then some people have been fantastic at maybe taking shows to a driving aspect or like a driving cinema aspect and there's a few online i've seen some fantastic online performances as well yeah um yeah what do you i guess it's hard to what do you make of covid but our industry will come back it might take a while it might take a hot second 
but would you kind of just encourage people to keep plugging on and to keep making work and using the online space as much as they can in the meantime? I would definitely say, you know, I think, oh God, I could talk about this subject for ages, but I, um, I think everyone's just needs to do what they can do under the circumstances, because I know a lot of people that don't aren't working, so they might not have the money to keep having singing lessons, but there are lots of online, you know, be imaginative, go on YouTube. I am sure there are vocal warm-ups on YouTube, and I'm sure you can be learning new songs. So absolutely, I, I signed a new grad this year from the studio center. I messaged her a couple of weeks ago saying, you don't have to post videos. But you are one of my favorite. You know, I loved you this year when I took you from your year. And it's a shame I haven't seen you do anything, like post any of these amazing choreography videos that I've seen. And then she posted it, posted one, and it was amazing. I definitely encourage. The thing that I think is very tricky and what I think will develop more, and what I'm about to say could be really controversial to any agents hearing, but I think everyone needs to understand from an agent's position i don't think there's been enough talk about agents on social media or or just in general our income has actually come down to zero the majority of the musical theater agencies again you know we have trickles of little money coming in from commercials or bits and bobs from you know i've got a few clients in south korea so you know we've got bits coming in however it's not it's not enough to live on and I feel like agents are still being expected to work full time with no money coming in. So there has to be a bit of give and take. My clients have been brilliant, you know, but I still feel obligated. I think as time progresses into September, October, November, when no money's coming in, I just hope actors give their agents a little bit of breathing space to go and find another job part time if they need to, to create some extra income so they can pay their rent and their mortgage um i do find this, this expectation that agents should be working full-time at the moment um i am hoping that balance levels out as as the months go on a little bit um because agents not millionaires we can't we, we need to make money at some point yeah. so you know if we get to january february march april may june july next year yeah. You know, God, you know, who knows what's going to happen? But, you know, but I, I'm up for adapting. And I've told clients, you know, if by January, if I need to try and get like a part time customer service job, I can work from home. I'm going to have to do that because I've got my mortgage to pay. And I would hope everyone would understand that. And I would still be reactive to my emails and my calls. I would still do what I'm doing. But, yeah. you know, we agents need to make money. And I really do feel like agents have been forgotten. No, and I'm so glad you actually brought that up because. Again, yeah, you more pro- we probably, because maybe for um, you as an agent may look after 40 performers. So if we hear the voice of 40 performers, obviously struggling at the moment, that will probably outshadow the agent. So I'm, I'm really, it's glad, I'm so happy you brought that up and it's very humbling to hear because everyone in the arts is suffering right now. So I think that's yeah. very lovely for you to be that um, honest about I think that. And also- the problem with the agent is that everyone else in the arts whether you're a lighting designer or costume, or they're able to go and get another job. Yeah. But agents aren't allowed, with commas, to go and get another job because they've still got to be on call. Things dribble in. I, with the, I, there are still things that happen. And I just feel like that's a really tricky... You know, if your agents have children, so they can't get childcare, they've got to look after their children and expect them to work full-time for nothing. Yeah. So... I'm hoping over the next few months, 
something needs to give or shift i think something needs to happen um just so we can all survive this because you know agencies have closed down yeah recently, no. and, you know god forbid any more closed down you know but we need to be we need to be sensible we need to be smart and we need to make sure that we can just adapt and just do what the hell we need to do to make sure that we all survive this and then god next year when things get back up and running we, i will be on that hamster wheel running as fast yeah, of as course. possible well, but we need to, yeah I think considering how much you, when the industry is at full pelt and you've got your clients in work and you're getting your other clients into auditions, like you have to work so nonstop. So to be on the other end of that now where there's peaks and troughs, I, I think it's, I would hope as well people think, yes, agents, you know what, if they, they need to do what they need to do. Because as you said, it's a, a position of prestige. You are an agent. You can't do anything else. Well, actually at this moment in time, You've got other skills you can utilize, other works needed. So I think that would be very, yeah. um, I think a lot that will resonate with a lot of people listening right now, whether they are maybe more established in the career, having been in the West End or they've designed or they've won, won awards for what they do. You do you yeah. in this moment. You've got to survive. So I think that was so lovely well, of you, you to say. I think it's important to say that, we, you know, we're, I think what's been, obviously it's been horrific, but I think what's been really nice in a weird way is that it's just sort of shown that everyone's just human. And everyone, like, you know, if you're an agent, everyone's got an expectation. You have to be this certain way and you have to live your life like this and you have to do this. And actually, that's all irrelevant when actually no money's coming in and you, everyone's got to just survive. Um, I think with the actors as well, I think what's going to be really tricky, I think, as time moves on is because we lost so much work with shows getting cancelled, there is going to be so many more people trying to get into the room. So I'm right. hoping the actors just remember that and just have that. Because the thing is, I'm, what I'm fearing, what I'm feared um, about happening is that auditions will start coming in and then everyone's just going to pounce on their agents when actually you need to, they need to let their agent just do their job. Sure. And, and trust that they're going to, do the best they can to get them in and get them working and, and then start making money again. But so many people don't have a job and cast directors can't see everybody. And especially okay. with the new grads with the graduates and the new ones, it, it is going to be tricky. It, it, it is, yeah. but you've got to just trust your agent. They're going to do the best they can under the circumstances to get, to get them moving again. Um, and I think yeah. what, what's good to come from that as well is that, it has, it's a relationship between the client and the agent. And because yeah. there's probably some, like I found myself from when I was performing more that having an ineffective, unhealthy relationship with an agent is worse than not having an agent. And the same for you, it's better to not have that client if it's a troublesome relationship. So it's finding that partnership, I think, on both parts. Now, like God, it, you know, I haven't had any, I've been really good. But if the client was to start being difficult, it just wouldn't work for me. I've got enough, there is enough worry in the world. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, my advice to anyone listening who has an agent, an email saying thank you yeah. will go so far. And it's unfortunately not done enough. I think it's, agents just do get taken for granted and just be humble and be nice. I think an email of just appreciation under these circumstances just go such a long way into making everyone just feel a bit better. So that if any actors are listening, email your agent, appreciate them, say thank you. You haven't got to spend money. 
you don't have to do anything like that. Just send that appreciation email. And honestly, they will love, they will really love that. And it will just give them that sort of boost for, for that day. Even for that hour, it does, it does make a world of difference. So, Oh, no, that's lovely. Yeah, anyone listening, do send your agents that email or your managers, whatever it is, do reach out. Where can people find you on social media? Obviously, so both as the collective agents and you personally, do you want to share your handle so people listening can follow you? Yeah, so my, uh, my Twitter handle is um, Agent Mayhew. I had to change it, but it's now Agent Mayhew, M-A-Y-H-E-W. Um, the collective handle is collective a g t s, and then my so my Instagram is Simon Mayhew one, and it's the same for collective agents on Instagram. So collective a g t s, and the website is collectiveagents.co.uk. A massive thank you for Simon. There, he really shared so much amazing advice, which I know will help listeners. Whether you are more of an on-stage creative or a freelancer. Hopefully you now know going forward what to send in an email to someone you want to work with, whether that is a job or with a potential agent or a client. And it is okay to have other passions or to try something new, but give yourself fully to it. Give it a go. It may work out and be the best decision, or you may have invested your time and realize it's not for you, but at least then you will know. I'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, don't forget to leave a review on your streaming platform. And you can also reach out to me on social media at bodyjamie or email me on info at jamiebody.com if there's an episode you want covered or a special guest you want to hear from. And I will see you next week.